All right, welcome to Down by the Bank, sponsored by Brewers Pizza, Orange Park, and Clay County's only brew pub. This is Corey. Hey, guys, what's up? It's Derek. What's up, guys? This is JK3. And just a real quick uh, note, this is our uh, episode 50 of the podcast, so we're really excited and thanks so much for all you guys uh, being such awesome listeners out there. Um, To celebrate episode 50, we have a very special guest on today, and that is Vito Stellino. Vito, how are you today? Just fine. How's everything? Doing well, doing well. And Vito, I mean, everybody knows you out there, but just to kind of recap, you're a Hall of Fame sports writer. You're on Twitter, at Vito Stellino, and uh, you also just started a new website, VitoStellino.com. To kind of kick us off, you know, what made you kind of decide to start your own website? Well, I, uh, I, I left the, uh, the Times Union, and uh, as you know, you know, online is uh, kind of the wave of the future. And so I thought it'd be kind of interesting to, you know, start my own website and, uh you know, be able to comment on uh, kind of a broad range of topics. Uh, today I'm writing about uh, that Ryan uh, O'Coughlin of, right. of the, uh, who just announced he was gay and and uh, so doing uh, various, uh, you know, various topics and uh, so far it's uh, gone quite well. Uh, been getting uh, readers from the Philippines and Korea and all over the place. Yeah, that's cool. So is it is it kind of, uh, I don't know, sort of uh, exciting to kind of have your own medium where you can just put up anything you want whenever you want and not have to go through a bunch of different filters that I'm sure were out there in the uh, traditional newspaper industry? Yeah, that's one of the advantages of having uh, having your own website. You know, you, I can kind of, you know, look at things that kind of interest me and uh, and then comment on them. And so it's, uh, it's uh, you know, really working out well so far, and uh, it seems to be well, uh, uh, you know, well, well received. Hey, Vito, this is uh, JK3. Thanks again for your time uh, again tonight. Uh, I, I read online that you, you've, uh, you know, been in the uh, industry for about 51 years now, and it's crazy to see, you know, how reporting and things have changed now. Um, since you just started your website and in the digital age that we're in right now, you know, how, how does it affect someone, you know, that's a traditional writer as opposed to getting, you know, a lot of the information out before Twitter does or, you know, a lot of the other beat writers? Well, you know, just, you know, times have changed uh, and you have to kind of change with them. Uh, you know, when I started off, we had uh, typewriters. Uh, there was no Internet, uh, no Twitter. Uh, Things were, you know, just very different. But uh, you know, now it's a, a different world. Uh, there are some good things about that, and uh, some bad things about that. So, you know, sometimes uh, uh, p- people get out ahead of the story. They go too fast and make mistakes, that type of thing. But on the other hand, uh, uh, a lot of times uh, news gets out much faster than it uh, than it used to be. So. Uh, we're still kind of all adjusting in this new world, so it's just it's going to be part of the future, and we don't really know what the, you know, what's next in the future, you know. So it's going to be interesting. Hey Vito, it's Derek. So you have a, a Hall of Fame uh, vote, and Boselli, he's just you know he's not getting as much love as you would you know us Jacksonville Jags fans would think he should get. What do you what are you thinking on his timetable on getting in? Well, it's hard to say that. Uh, the problem with Baselli is he had a short career. You know, for five years he was as good as it gets at left tackle, but his career ended after seven years. Had that torn labrum surgery, didn't work well, and was never able to play again. And so the longevity factor is, uh, is a problem. Now, last year he got to the final ten, so that's a uh, you know that that's a good sign. So, uh, but of course, then you know. 
new players keep uh, you know keep emerging. So it's uh, it's not going to be easy for him, but uh, I think people are are you know taking a uh, a longer look at him. You know that uh, and uh, you know you kind of hope maybe the next three or four years uh, it breaks for him, but we'll just have to kind of wait and see. But the the longevity factor is something. Had he played ten years, he'd have been in already, you know. So seven is 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 right on the cusp of the type of thing, and and uh, so it's uh, you know other uh, other players with short careers have had problems too. So uh, it, it's not it's not really that unusual that he's had uh, your problems getting in, and also did not play in a, in a Super Bowl that 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 didn't help either. And played in a small market that, that that doesn't help, you know. So, but but the main problem is the the short career, and uh, but it seems to be moving in, in the right direction. Uh, people aren't really objecting to him, uh, but you have to always realize it's not like an up or down vote on Baselli. You know, we have 15 guys, only five of them get in. So, uh, you know, oftentimes uh, other players. Uh, are getting uh, you know more notice uh, and and uh, you know move ahead of him type of thing. So you just have to be patient and hope that uh, that he gets in before he becomes an old timers candidate. Yeah, no, definitely. What about any other Jags players? You know, Freddie T, Jimmy, anybody else stick out that's got some potential to at least get into the conversation? It's going to be difficult. Uh, you know, Jimmy. Uh, Again, you know, had problems in Venice. Career didn't play as long as you would have liked, and of course, nowadays wide receivers keep putting up bigger and bigger numbers, so that's to be difficult. And I think Fred only made like one or two Super Bowl, one or two Pro Bowls. That doesn't help. You know, he played at the same time of, you know, people like Ladanian Thomas and that type of thing. Again, no Super Bowl. That you know, so uh, I think right now of the. Uh, of the people that played on those, uh, you know, teams in the first five years, uh, I think Baselli's the uh, the best shot, and uh, I, I it's gonna be difficult for Fred or, and Jimmy to make it. Uh, uh, you know, Fred has some good stats, but but again, uh, didn't have a lot of Pro Bowls, uh, and that doesn't uh, that doesn't help. What's the conversation like with a player like T.O.? You know, for example, I mean, you know, you're naming off some of the accolades that most of our players don't have that he does have. And, you know, just looking at some of the things whenever the hall was or the, the finalists were up, I thought he was a shoe in to get in. Uh, you know, what's stopping someone like T.O. from getting into the uh, Hall of Fame? Well, again, it's not an up or down vote on T.O. Uh, other people, uh, you know, are ahead of him. And, uh, you know, there are problems with his candidacy, with his... Uh, how would I describe it? You know, he, he was not exactly a great team player, you know, put, up, you. You know, put up some uh, good individual stats, but, uh, you know, a lot of teams wanted to get rid of him, and that's, that's uh, you know, kind of a, uh, uh, of a red flag. But, again, he's only been up for two years, and, again, it's not up or down, so sure. he's got a long time to get in. But he was not, a like, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, it, uh, th- there were just too many... Uh, too many red flags in his background, although he did, you know, certainly have the numbers that, that you like for, but 
uh, it's more complicated. If it were just numbers, you wouldn't need a uh, a committee to say, well, you get these numbers and you're in the Hall of Fame. You 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 judge him, his whole resume, and plus who else is on the ballot at, at that particular time. You know, people say, well, he should have gotten in last year. Well, who are you going to take out to put him in? They they limit. Uh, you know, we've only put in five people, so it's not, you know, uh, it's not like, okay, T.O., uh, he's up now. How many are for and against him? It's you You vote for the five guys, and uh, and the other, the other people, uh, you know, got more votes. So as we as we get into and I'm sorry to ask again, man, because this 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 kind of stuff interests me. You know, I, I see as we're moving into, you know, our later years and more and more players that I can recognize uh, in the Hall of Fame are getting you know eligible for the Hall of Fame. It's crazy to go from that smash mouth football era to where we are now, where it's just, you know, razzle dazzle. You know, you see all these players like LT getting in, um, you, you know, T.O. for consideration as well. And they were more electrifying. Do you think the selection process gets a little bit more harder for these players now? Well, there's a real debate among wide receivers because they've made it so easy to uh, for wide receivers to put up, you know, unbelievable stats because the defensive backs can't uh, can't touch it after five yards. Back in the day in the seventies, and Mel Blunt was, you know could hit a guy 15 yards downfield, that type of thing. So it was much more difficult. Uh, and so it's very difficult to judge players, uh, like, on, under two set of rules. So, and also, Jerry Rice put up 1,500 catches. So now a guy with 1,000 who might have been automatic years, you know, years ago, now we're saying, well, it's not as difficult to get 1,000 catches as it used to be so wide receivers in particular are uh are getting more difficult uh, to judge i think that's the one position and of course teams aren't running the ball as much so then it becomes harder for the running backs to put up uh you know uh you know big numbers quarterbacks are about the same it, although it's, it's really more of a quarterback league and and uh uh so they have to uh you know stand out more and and a lot of pressure on the win Super Bowls, but uh, but I would think the the changing game has uh, has kind of affected the way that we uh, judge uh, wide receivers. You know, they changed those rules in uh, uh, 1978, and it's just been very different different uh, you know since then. And of course, then uh, a few years ago when Bill Polian complained about the Patriots knocking the uh, uh, call receivers around, and then they liked. They didn't really change the rules, but they they did what they call point of emphasis. You know, so they kind of alerted the officials. Hey, you know, you're letting, you're not calling it as tight as you want. You know, they, uh, you know, they definitely want scoring. They, they, uh, uh, their their ideal score is like uh, they want it to be around forty points a game. When it gets below that, they uh, then they start, you know, helping the uh, uh, the offense again. You know, so that's just, uh, you know, defensive players complain about that. You know, and of course now they've rightly so legislated about uh, the violence in the game, and that also 
kind of affects the defense more than the uh, more than the offense because uh, they can't make the hits that they used to. But on the other hand, it is, you know, every time another guy, just Warren Sapp this week said he has uh, his memory loss. He's only 44 years old, so it's really hard to complain that they've uh, taken some of the violence out of the game because it was, you know, the so many of the players who played. Uh, 10, 20 years ago are, are now, you know, suffering very, very serious symptoms. So all those things play into making it more of an offensive game, and and, and, I, and I don't expect that to that to change. They they don't want uh, the 10-7 game type of thing. Right, right. Yeah, and actually, it, I think you had actually just put up an article that you wrote about the, uh, the SAP uh, situation on your website, so we'll be sure to link to that as well. But with the with the evolution of the game, I mean, just with that being said, I mean, the voting process for Hall of Fame, you know, do you think it should change? You know, is is it fair at this point with all the, the evolution that's gone on with the, the changes in the game? Do you think it should stay the same, or what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, the one change they could make is just make uh, the 15 people and just vote up or down, yes or no, on all 15. If, if, if 10 guys get 80%, then 10 guys get in. But, you know, you have to realize that, that the Hall of Fame wants a – wants like a steady stream. They don't want eight guys in one year and two the next, that type of thing, you know. So uh, so that doesn't change. And as far as, you know, the voters just have to make ju- makes judgments on, uh, on how, you know, how the game has changed and, you know, judge the players and, you know, and decide, is this guy a Hall of Famer? You know, it, uh, you know people say, well, you know, how can T.O. not already be in? But, you know, what would T.O. been in the 70s uh, playing against Mel Blunt type of thing? You know, he, right. he's played his whole career in an era where you virtually couldn't touch him after five yards. So uh, it became easier and, and uh, to, you know, to put up those big numbers. So, I mean, we're going to run into the same thing with uh, Randy Moss, you know, the, uh, another guy who a lot of question marks uh, about, you know, him walking off the field, uh, that that type of thing. But, you know. But he was, a, you know, he was a better receiver than uh, than T.O. And, and uh, but he probably won't be automatic despite his numbers. There'll probably be a debate again be, because of what kind of a teammate was he and uh, and, and and that type of thing. So uh, how about we just do away with that system overall and we can just do uh, tweets? You know, just let uh, let the voting go to Twitter. What do you think about that? <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> you would not know who's doing the voting to start with, you know. So, and then it would just be a uh, – and then Jacksonville would never get anybody in because, you know, the bigger markets have more fans. Yeah, that's true. And uh, – you know, I mean, that hurts Jacksonville now, even in the Pro Bowl voting, now that the fans get a third of the vote. You know, uh, the the bigger market teams have more fans, and, and, and so they've got a definite advantage on that. So right. uh, I don't think that's, uh, that's going to happen anytime soon. There have been talks about, well, maybe they should have players vote instead of, and they, and they have put on two players, two Hall of Fame players on the committee. But then what you run into, players vote for their friends, that type of thing, you know. The, uh, uh, so, are they even less uh, less subjective? You know, it's a, it's all very subjective. In fact, I often think there should be two hall two. There should be a two tier Hall of Fame. Hmm. On the top tier is Walter Payton, Jim Brown, John Unitas, Joe Montana, the kind of guys that the 
the guy selecting him can just stand up and say, ladies and gentlemen, I present Walter Payton, sit down. You know, what's the <laughs> point of spending a half hour debating when everybody knows he's going to get in? And then there would be the second tier of guys that maybe you debate like 10 years, that type of thing. You know, uh, but I mean, that's not going to happen either. But, but there are definite, uh, not all Hall of Famers are the same. You know, the, the, uh, the Jim Browns and Joe Greens and Mel Blunts and, and uh, Joe Montana's and those type of guys, you know, are were certainly better than than some of the lesser guys who finally got in, but you know, it took them a while to get in. So, um, Vito, as you you know, you covered the Jags pretty much, you know, for a while. Uh, you know, what are one of the more interesting personalities or like a favorite uh, player you've had the chance to cover? Byron Leftwich was one of the best guys to cover. You know, he was, uh, you know, he he was really a good guy. And and Fred Taylor was very good too. Fred started off almost kind of shy at at first, but then became you know very insightful. Maurice Jones Drew was a good quote when he felt like talking. Sometimes <laughs> he uh, he he wasn't in the mood, but uh, uh, he would also he would also like to debate writers, which was kind of fun. You know, we'd go back and forth on uh, you know on uh, on the thoughts. You know, so they've had some. Uh, yeah, they've had some interesting players, you know, uh, and uh, but uh, but I think those are three of the guys. Uh, you know, nowadays, uh, you know, the quarterbacks often talk once a week. Uh, Leftwich kind of guy, like uh, he talked. He had his formal press conference on Wednesday, and you see on Thursday, he said, "You need anything else?" That type of thing. You know, he he was uh, he was a very uh, good guy. It'll be interesting to see now. You know, he's up for. The uh, Arizona guy has hired him, uh, Bruce Arians, as an assistant coach, and, and is touting him for the as a future head coach. It'd be interesting to see if he makes it, uh, because he'll have that thing about, uh, boy, is he too nice a guy? You know that. Uh, right. Now, I mean, I, I kind of thought Tony Dungy kind of destroyed that, that thing. Hey, you, you, you know. You can't be a nice guy and win, but uh, you know they they kind of hung that around Gus, and I was like, I don't really know how good Gus was because how how good was the talent that he had to work with, you know? So I, uh, you know, it's easy to say, well, he was too easy going and that type of thing, but you know they uh, they just haven't drafted well or signed enough good free agents the last four or five years, so the talent level is. It's not as good. You, you don't go from, uh, you don't go three thirteen just on bad coaching. You know, right? You, you've got a problem with the players too at that at, at that level. You know, maybe good coaching can take you from ten and ten and six to twelve and four that type of thing. But when you're three thirteen, you've got a talent problem definitely. Yeah. But but there is that. You know, people like the hard driving coach that that type of thing, and, and uh, so. I, I'd like to see Leftwich get a chance and see how he does. It, it would be kind of interesting to see how that goes. The interesting thing now is he's coaching Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> what are the odds of that happening? <laughs> right, yeah, right. True. You know, I mean, for any team where one the same team drafts two guys about eight years apart, neither one of them makes it, one of them winds up coaching the other one. In fact, I'm going to write about that in the next day or two. I think that's just kind of fascinating. 
you know, Leftwich winds up coaching Gabbard. It's just, you know, I just think the odds that happened are so unusual. And Leftwich is also coaching Carson Palmer, who was the first player picked oh, yeah. in the year he was picked. Yeah, that's true. I forgot so about that. It, it's, uh, it's just kind of interesting. But, you know, Bruce is quite a quarterback guy, and he's uh, big on, uh, on Leftwich as a, as a coach, so it'll be interesting to see how he does. Uh, one of Brian's problems was his mechanics. You know, he had that too big a wind-up, right. and uh, and defenses could you know could read him too much, and he you know the you need that ball up by the ear and that you know that that kind of Reno type thing you know that uh, just zinging through the air. You know, when you got to wind up, it it gives the defenses a chance to react. In fact, Blake has some of the same problems. You know, they keep sending him to California to work on his mechanics. I, I and you know, you can work on those in practice, but I don't know once you get in the game and does it do you revert to you know, when all of a sudden you got people rushing him do you can you remember all those things that you're you know, you thought you learned, that type of thing. I don't that's why this would be a very interesting year for him to see you know, which way he goes. The fourth year is very, very critical. Yeah. Yeah, the Leftwich uh, insight's pretty interesting, though, because I remember part of the, the fan base really had such a negative perception about him, and, and you know, I guess maybe because of his uh, on-the-field, you know on the field, uh, just his mannerisms and everything like that, they thought that maybe he just kind of had attitude issues or whatever, but you're saying it wasn't like that at all. No, he was a good guy. He got really a bad rap here. And, uh, you know, he replaced Mark Burnell, was a very popular guy, that type of thing. And, and uh, you know, and, hey, maybe there was a racial factor involved in it, too. Who knows, you know. But, yeah, no, the, uh, I just think he got, uh, uh, you know, he, he, he got a bad rap. He, he had issues with his mechanics, and that wound up hurting him. But he was, I, I never really understood the attitude thing, uh, uh as I say, he was really a good guy. He is a good guy, and and here's a guy like Bruce Arians, you know, touting him as a future coach. So, you know, he was definitely not. Now you talk about an attitude. Now Gabbert, there was an attitude problem. Really? Okay. What's that <laughs> yeah. all about? Yeah, yeah. He he was. Uh, I mean, he was not well liked even in the quarterback room, much less the, the locker room. He, he did not have a a positive. Uh, you know, per, persona. Huh. It, uh, besides you know, the fact that he didn't play well, but that's uh, <laughs> you know. So that, that that I mean, that was the bigger problem. But uh, but also he 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 didn't have the greatest attitude in the world. Well, you can't have a, a bad attitude when you got a deer in the headlights look when you're on the field half the time. Well, <laughs> that didn't help either. Yeah, the Chuck and Duck, uh, the Chuck and Duck, duck kind of thing. Now it's interesting. Arians is praising. Uh, Gabbert and saying, well, he's had six offensive coordinators in seven years. He hasn't played on good teams. He needs consistency. But I don't know, even on a good team, does he get, will he get rid of the deer in the headlights? Look, I, I, I don't know, you know. And uh, and last year he got benched for Kaepernick, who, who's everybody down on him because of the protest. But so... Uh, uh, you know, to, and again, San Francisco was a bad team, so, you know, but I just, uh, it'll, it'll be very interesting that uh, another angle of the of the Gabber signing was Terry McDonough is one of their personnel guys, uh, 
and he was with Gene Smith here when they drafted him. You know, personnel guys never like to admit they made a mistake. You know, they always want to give the player one more chance, you know. Mm-hmm. So now Marion's is praising him too, but I also think that uh, McDonough probably gave him a good recommendation. And uh, uh, so it'll be interesting. I mean, they've already got two, you know, they got Drew Stanton as a backup already. You know, can Gabber beat him out? Will he keep three? I, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to kind of watch. I don't think so. I My personal opinion, since he left Missouri, I thought the way Missouri ran their offense made him look better than he actually was. And, you know, I'm just a silly fan. I don't know anything. And obviously, right been right so far. So I don't think he's going to make it. I think he'll get cut, to be honest with you. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Arian said he's a pocket passer, but to me, he was a spread option guy. Never played under center in college, you know. Left a year early, should have stayed, you know. It, uh, yeah, I I just think there were too many question marks, of, you know, uh, about him, and, and he certainly did not, uh, you know, did not overcome him. So it, uh, but this is probably his last last shot, you know. It, uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, now he's playing, you know, on a team with with uh, some good offensive talent. Now, granted, he's not going to be on the field with them, but. It'll, you know, he'll have a chance in practice and stuff, and so we'll just, uh, you know, we'll just see. But yeah, I, uh, I don't think, I doubt that most Jaguar fans would think that Gabber has much of a chance. You know, so. Yeah. <laughs> Last, what about any players that you found that were most difficult talking to the media that just didn't want to give you guys, guys, the time of day, or just never had anything positive to say? Uh, Jerry, Jerry Porter was one of the worst. You know, and, surprise, uh, surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he was. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, the, there's a rule now. I think you have to talk like once a week, and he was like refusing to talk. And and, and uh, I mean, I didn't even call the league, but apparently the word got out, and he he got a message. You know, that, uh, uh, yeah, he he was, and he was not a very good player either. You know, <laughs> guys who. Uh, if they're good players and you have to put up with them, okay, well, that's the way it is, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he wasn't uh, he wasn't a good player or, you know, a good person to deal with, you know. So he, he would certainly be uh, up on that list. But the Jaguars, they haven't won a lot lately, but they tend to have a pretty good locker room, you know. Most of the guys are, you know, pretty good guys. So, but, yeah, but Porter was... Uh, not a uh, not a guy that anybody missed. <laughs> I would I would have thought I would have guessed Hugh Douglas. That would have been my pick. But <laughs> well, yeah, Hugh was yeah, right up there too. Yeah, he, uh, 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 you know, he, I mean, talk about an attitude. He came down here and 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 then I think first he said he just came down here for a vacation. You know, and, uh, oh, and that that defensive back with the, uh, the they signed from the Giants. You know, his wife's the track star. Oh, Ross. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, he also said the same thing about how, yeah, I just came here for vacation, that type of thing. And, but, yeah, Hugh Douglas was, was – the Jaguars paid him all that money, and he was knocking Jacksonville. And, and uh, yeah, he uh, uh, he should have been on the list, too. I should have mentioned him. He actually he still talks uh, trash to Jacksonville and goes back and forth with fans on Twitter even to this day. So uh, that's still a, oh does he does he really? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, 
what did they give him, like a $5 million signing bonus? Well, uh, no one else is offering him that kind of money. You know, what? Uh, you should just take the money and be happy, you know? I mean, he, he was, he, he, you know, I think his first, or I think he's only here one year, right? I think he had one sack the whole first half of the season. In fact, we had a, we had a headline, one sad sack. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good, actually. Um, yeah, he, he was just, it was just, I mean, glad it wasn't his fault. Did they give him the money? Why, you know, how can he not take it? Uh, it was just a bad personnel evaluation by the, uh, by the Jaguars. But for him to complain about Jacksonville, he should, be, he should have been so happy he got the money. You know, it's uh, Bruce Pipe, uh, Pop was like that too, you know. Huh. Again, they shouldn't have signed him, but then he was complaining, you know, after he got here, uh, uh, you know. So that's one of the problems in free agency. You have to be so careful who you sign. You know, because to start with, the team is letting him go. The team that knows him the best is letting him go. Now, the you know, they'll always say, well, salary cap, we couldn't keep him. But if they really want somebody, they manage to find a way to, to, to keep him, you know. Right. So you start with, you're given a, you're dealing with a guy whose old team didn't keep him. Then you give him a lot of money. So a lot of guys, you know, hey, they get the big, big paychecks, and you know they're not the incentives, not the same, that type of thing. So, and they may not fit into your system the way they fit in the old system. You know, it. Uh, you're still best to to draft and grow your own players. That that's really the best way to win, and then sprinkle in a few free agents. You can't really build a team by free agency. Right. So the one thing that Jags fans definitely are, are fans of you of and just and know of you from is, is the press conferences. And so that's always somewhere we, we could always hear your voice and see you on the videos on Jaguars.com. <laughs> so like, what, what would you say, uh, like what was some of your, uh, some of your favorite memories from press conferences, whether it be kind of, uh, some, you know, altercations that occurred or, you know, uh, funny stories. Like what would you say are the best, uh, experiences you've had in those press conferences? If a guy tried to duck a question, I would ask it again, you know, and of course that annoyed some people that, that type of thing, you know, mm-hmm. it, uh, and of course, uh, Del Rio didn't like my questions at all. In fact, he wound up at one point, he, he would speak to the writers and the TV cameras separately. Hmm. I don't know if you remember that or not. No. So that way he he could fly off the handle talking to the writers, and there'd be no video of it, you know. So oh, wow. uh, when the cameras were rolling, he had to be, you know, he, he had to be a little more circumspect, that type of thing. But yeah, he he did not like to be, uh, you know, questioned at all. And then there was a time, I may have gone a little overboard on this, uh, you know. Uh, I still believe to this day that, that Coughlin's ultimate dream had been to coach at Notre Dame. You know, uh, Frank Leahy had gone from Boston College to Notre Dame, and, you know, he's an Irish Catholic and all that. And and uh, and, the, and the job came open. He, he was dancing around the question, you know, he, he was just dodging the question. So I said, okay, are you interested in the job? Anything but a no is a yes. Uh, you know, if you start this meander, all you have to do is say no, you're not interested. Well, how difficult is that, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and oh, I forget what he said. Well, but he said, well, you know, so you make the rules here or something, or I forget what the thing, but we had a little bit of fun with that, you know, so. But, yeah, I uh, I feel you have to ask 
you know, good questions to try to get, uh, you know, some good answers. It, uh, and I know some people uh, thought I wasn't, how would you describe it? I was be, maybe being too confrontational. But, but to me, it's like, you know, the, the better questions tend to get better answers. You know? Right. So, uh, you know, people say, well, talk about. That, that really gets me. Well, talk about is not a, is not a question. And then the person holding the press conference can just say, can just go any direction he wants to, you know. You've got to ask a specific question, you know. Well, what about your past defense on that play? That, you know, that, uh, or why does the left tackle, you know, you have to ask specific things to get specific answers. But so many people just say, well, talk about, you know. Right. Uh, that's just one of my pet, uh, you know, pet things. Well, it but seems like, anyway. it seems like Vito, it's almost become like an art to, uh, of avoidance in press conferences. Would you say like people learn to kind of avoid questions and, and are almost too general to the point where it's just boring? Yeah. I mean, that's become a problem. And then some, you know, some coaches, especially Belichick, uh, you know, they're, you know, they, they're big on, Hey, don't say anything. Uh, I forget the player recently, uh, Oh, it was a Terrence Knight and see, but there now. Uh, he like praised a teammate, and uh, and Belichick says it's not your job to be evaluating people. You know, <laughs> I mean, just an innocuous type thing. You know, and, uh, and uh, but yeah, no, they they drill the guys to be as boring as possible, and, and uh, uh, you know what really gets me a guy like Marino his whole career. He like had three minute press conferences, and then he goes into the media. You know, so he didn't want to talk when he was a player, and then he joins the, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the media. But yeah, I know there's, uh, uh, there's definitely a, uh, uh, a culture of hey, you know, don't say anything controversial, don't, uh, uh, and I don't even ask for controversy, controversy, but you know, just give some. Uh, just give us some analysis. Give us what your feelings are. What did you think? That type of thing. You know, it, uh, dealing with the media is one of the reasons. They, and they don't stress this to the players enough either. If there wasn't enough media, the game wouldn't be as big as it is today. You know, so, but they, you know, they take that part of it for granted. You know, they want all the good thing about the game being big, but then they don't want to uh have to, uh, you know, deal with the the media type. And, and, you know, now they've had to put all kinds of rules in about, you know, players talk, you know, and then, oh, yeah, and now it's like quarterback only talks once a week. The, the, that's become the that's become the norm, you know. Mm-hmm. Why can't a quarterback talk two or three times a week, right? I mean, what's, I mean, it's, it's he's the most important player, you know. Right. So you can talk to left guard every day, but you can only talk to quarterback once a week. <laughs> It's, it's uh, you know, it's uh, it's crazy, yeah. but uh, and now it's a you know like quarterback in particular is all a press conference setting, so you don't really get a chance to get like a conversation going with a guy that you can get when it's one on one, you know that that type of thing. Right. So, but anyway, sorry for my rant. You know, it's it's. No. I mean, that, that's one of the many ways that things have changed. You know, over the. Uh, over the years, everybody's gotten spoiled, you know, so, <laughs> and it's just the way it is. You just have to adjust to that. 
Yeah, no, we like the rants, and hopefully, uh, you know, in addition to the, to the articles on our website, maybe you'll give us some more time in the future so we can hear more rants, right? Hey, uh, uh, anytime, I'm fine with it. You know. <laughs> Always like to talk about uh, talk about sports. So, all right, yeah, call anytime. All right, well, cool. And well, in one direct question, just like you would ask direct questions in the press conference, what's the Jaguars' record in 2017? Go. Oh wow, that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> Just go with eight and eight. <laughs> Just go with I'll eight and eight. Seven, seven and nine. <laughs> okay. All right. Actually, how good Vegas is, you know, they tend to nail the Jaguars every year, and the Jaguars are never on the over, and they're saying six. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised six and ten. On the other hand, they got four almost gimme wins. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, they got the Jets and the Browns and uh, – I think the Rams, right? Uh, and one other one they should be able to win. So the other uh, 12 games seem like they should be able to win at least three of them, you know? So I think, you know, they got a shot at 7-9. But, again, it's all Bortles. If Bortles plays like they did last year, then, you know, uh, then they're not going to win seven games. If he plays better, they you know, they, they will. So that's, you know, he he's their season. he got to – you know, and they didn't bring in anybody else. So, I mean, they have no alternatives. They're going to sink or swim in this year, this year with him, you know. So, right. anyway. But, uh, but yeah, they they have not had a habit of, uh, of being above the under over in, in, re, in recent years. And, in fact, in recent years, I've always been thinking, you know, the, the, the under is five. Oh, you know, they'll win at least. They'll go over. They'll win at least six. And, sure enough, they win four or five. You know, it's, a, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a... It's it's been a tough era to be a, a Jaguar fan, you know. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, we're 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 a little too scarred to be talking about gimme wins, okay? So we don't want to hear anything about. Well, that. that's true. Yeah, I probably shouldn't say that, but gee, <laughs> I mean, you look you look at the Jets and the Browns. I mean, if they don't beat them, man, this could be a long year. Yep. You know? <laughs> we really appreciate you being on, and and one thing that people uh, just have to remember is that uh, you know to follow you not only just on Twitter at Vito Stellino, but also on your new website. Uh, VitoStellino.com. And so we'll definitely put the uh, the website in our podcast description. We'll put it up on social media. And uh, and again, hopefully uh, hopefully you'd be willing to come on again in the future. Sure, I'd be happy to. Just give me a buzz. All right. Well, awesome, Vito. Thank you so much again for joining the podcast, okay? All right. So that is episode 50. Um, again, thanks everybody for joining us. Just remember we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn. And if you happen to be on iTunes, please, please, please leave us a rating and review. Uh, so again, Down by the Bank, sponsored by Brewers Pizza, Orange Park, and Clay County's only brew pub. And we will talk to you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.